Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> What's up, Rams Nation? This is Turf Show Radio. You got th- Van Ram right here with me as always. 3K. 3K, thanks for tearing yourself from the Rangers, away from the Rangers game for a little bit. How's it I'm, going? I'm flipping back in between that and Alabama, South Carolina, man. It's a tough day. It is a tough day in the 3K household to decide what I'm supposed to be doing with my time. Mm. What's uh, I haven't checked in. How's the Texas game stand right now? We're up one nothing. We just scored one in the uh, third inning, so it's early. It's early. You know, baseball's a slog. It's not like uh, football, but we're getting it's it a done. Marathon. You know, great great year for the home team. Great great season and a great series and great game so far. So I, I have nothing right. nothing bad to say about it thus far. We can't beat that. You can't beat that. 3K, but we're not here to talk about Rangers. We're here to talk about a little something we like to call the Rams. Yeah. Um, big game last week, big game coming up this week. Now, anytime you say you call a game with Detroit a big game, you know it's either a time of transition or a time of woe. Unfortunately, this is a time of transition for the St. Louis Rams. Coming off two wins. But it's close to woe. It's not far from woe. It's not far away, and you can't forget that just a few short weeks ago we were still a losing football team before we were tied for the lead in the NFC West. That's right. It's nice. And here we are in Detroit. I saw Steven Jackson's Twitter. They've touched down. They're in Detroit. I guess they're getting it ready to go for tomorrow. Um, You know, Ram Chop, a friend of TSR, Ram Chop, had a fan post on the site yesterday, and this is kind of something funny to talk about, you know, when you're talking about the Rams, um, because usually it's it's vice versa with the Rams, but the trap game, could this be a trap game for the Rams, 3K? You know, it, it's like I said in this fan post, and it's a great fan post, that's the kind of thing that I love to see about from the community, because it generates legitimate conversation, and you get a sense of what people's you know, opinions are, and they're all valid opinions. Um, you know, mine, it's like I said in the thread, I, I just don't think that this is a, a team that that any game can be considered a trap game for us, simply because I just don't think that there's that there can possibly be a sense that we're overlooking anybody. I mean, you, you come off, you know, 2-14, and 1-15, and 15, and I get it, these two wins have been huge and they generated a lot of momentum, a lot of optimism. But two weeks ago, we were on the flip side, and we were looking down almost the same spiral of, you know, pessimism. And so I I just – I understand it's different for fans, but I have difficulty believing for the team that two two weeks can make such a big difference that now we feel that, you know, the the idea that we can overlook teams, that the trap game is is a possibility. That's just hard for me to buy into. Yeah, um, to me that's that's you know the kind of thing where you you maybe you start the season with high expectations and you know you've got a winning track record and and things are going your way but you know this is really kind of the Rams uh, you know uh, you expect the Rams to play better in this game than they have in the last two and that's uh, that sounds kind of crazy you know when you look back and the Rams won two games and won them pretty handily when you look at the final score but you know there are still some instances where. You know, there was strong play, good play, but it wasn't airtight. It wasn't perfect. They could have done things a little better. The offense, the offense looks good. I think the offense is getting a lot of credit where credit is due, but it's not perfect. It's not a perfectly oiled 
running engine right now. And I think, you know, we've still got some got some work to do. And I hope this is a game against Detroit, uh, certainly in the passing game. I like that matchup. But, you know, where the Rams can iron it out a little bit better and become be a little better team this week than they were last week. As You know, like I say, as weird as that sounds, I, I think there's lots of room for improvement with what we have on the roster. Yeah, I mean, I think that's almost impossible to argue. You got there's tons of room for improvement. I think, you know, in the running game, Stephen Jackson hasn't had a huge game. He's had nice plays and and important plays when we need him, but you know, he hasn't had that hundred yard, two touchdown game yet. Bradford hasn't topped three hundred yards. He hasn't had that kind of command performance. And I get it, he's a rookie, but still, you can't say that he's had that kind of breakout game that that goes over the top of what you would expect uh, from any quarterback, let alone a rookie. Um, and, and then the offensive line is still working on issues So, so in, in both facets, both the run game and the pass game. So, there, you know, there's plenty to work on offensively and even defensively. I mean, I know we've we've done a great job at limiting points on the board. That's, you know, absolutely past argument. But there's still certainly things to work on uh, on the defense. We saw – you know, tight end is an issue. Slot receiver is an issue. Certain issues with the run game, with our run defense, is an issue. But that doesn't mean it hasn't been good. It just means there's room to improve. And, and you know, the truth is, it's, the bottom line is, it's a win-loss thing. When you win games, people start to build expectations. When you lose games, you lose all expectations. And we've been so div- we've been so deep into that losing mindset. Not not just as a team, but as a fan base. That now that we're on the other side, I think we've swung to the other side of the pendulum from one extreme to the other, and hopefully, you know, some continued success with some realism will bring us back into a more comfortable middle where things make more sense. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, like I said, this is a winnable game, though. I mean, for the Rams. This oh is, yeah. I mean, this is it's a it's an interesting matchup on paper, and then you know, in the narrative sense of it too, because it's two teams kind of digging themselves back from the abyss and. And putting finally starting to put some put some things together, get some finally get some talent on the field, and uh, you know you look at the you look at this game, and but it's still it's a game the Rams should win, and I think in particular, you know they have a chance with their offense to do again maybe a little bit of what we saw last week with Seattle has a fairly aggressive pass rush, a fairly stout defensive line. I, I think Seattle's probably the without a question that's it's the toughest front defensive front the Rams have seen all season. Now Detroit's. You know, Detroit's a good defensive front in and of itself. I and quietly it's kind of, you know, under the radar, but you know, Kyle Vandenbosch, obviously you've got Suh in there, you know, uh, we can I'm sure I'm sure a few people will point that out. Remind us of the draft this year on the on the side over the next couple of days here, but um you know, it, it's still a, it's still a team that the Rams I think can can work to their advantage. Um, you know, you look for Bradford maybe to go out there and kind of start erasing some of those rookie mistakes. Now, obviously, I think, you know, you just got to prepare for it because one of these games he's going to kind of fall back to earth and, and he's going to look like a rookie. He's going to make some costly rookie mistakes. It's just going to happen. I, you know, it, it's a learning curve. You, you deal with it. But, you know, this is, a, this is a defense that starts Jonathan Wade at cornerback. Yes, that Jonathan Wade. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you expect the Rams to kind of – to put some stuff together to pass and, and, and be even a more effective team in that respect. Um, you know, it's an exciting matchup. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, we, you look back, the Rams beat Detroit last year for their only win, but if you go back, I was just looking at the box score. 
today. And you remember the offense, the Rams' offense was not very good in that game, not very good at all considering the defense they were matched up against. So, um, you know, certainly the Rams bring a better offense into this game, as do the Lions, and the Lions have a better defense this year than the Rams do. It's it's an interesting matchup. Yeah, and the thing that's interesting to me is how different the teams are. You know, when we went into Detroit last year, it was like, okay, you know, the the quarterback issue obviously takes the forefront. Now with no LaRon Robinson, I mean, we were a couple weeks into it, but we are still lamenting the idea that LaRon Robinson, our number one wide receiver, was out. Now we're into the season, no Donnie Avery, no Lar- and LaRon Robinson will probably play this week, but nevertheless, does it really matter? Is anybody really that concerned whether or not Lauren Robinson is a part of this wide receiving core this week? It's such a different team on offense from front to back. We won, you know, you spoke about that was the one game that we won, but it was due to a special teams, you know, food play with uh, Josh Brown throwing it out to Daniel Fells, your boy, and, and uh, a, a strong game from Steven Jackson, but you come to expect that from somebody of his caliber. The thing that's strange to me is that both of these teams are on the up, and both of them expect to win. Detroit being 0-4, and, and, you know, I've been at Pride of Detroit all this week. They expect to win this game. It's a home game. It's the Rams. It's not like we have a, a strong track record of success over the last three years, despite the fact that we won last year. So they expect to win. We're coming off two wins, a win in Detroit last year. We expect to win. It, these are the kind of games that when you're at the bottom, you've got to take advantage of them because you've got so many other – so many other opponents that are more prepared, that are that have more talent, that are more experienced. These are the kind of games that if you want to get out of a hole, however big the hole is and whatever hole it is, these are the kind of games you got to take advantage of and get a W. Yeah, and that's true too because um, the Detroit seems to be in a similar situation this season that the Rams were going into Week Three against Washington. They just they have that question about them: Are they going to? Can they win games? Do they know how to win the games? And, and I know that's kind of a weird qualitative thing, but qualitative assessment of a team. But you know, can they finish the drives? Can they turn those? Can they turn those long drives into into touchdowns? And can they turn those touchdowns into wins? Can they can they hold a team? Now they came close to beating a Green Bay team last week by lost by two points, twenty six twenty eight. Was a close game. Sure. Um, Don't forget the Calvin know, Johnson play to begin the season. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, uh, you know, this is a team that's got the same issues that the Rams had, and they'll be looking to fix that. They're in front of a sold-out, sell-out crowd in Detroit, a rare a rare opportunity. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a tougher game than you think. This isn't the same Detroit where you used to kind of be like, ah, oh, Detroit, easy pickings. Not anymore, though. So, No, they got they got plenty of talent, and they've especially got it on – up front and defense. I really like the changes they made to the defensive front. Uh, you know, you mentioned Kyle Van Bosch, and, of course, Dan McKenzie. Hey, you know, anybody who's been around the site knows I'm a huge fan of Sue. He's made an immediate rookie impact at a, at a difficult position for a rookie to do that defensive tackle. They're without Matthew Stafford, you know, imagine the Rams without Sam Brad. It's hard to do. It's hard to imagine the Rams without Sam Bradford, but they're without their franchise quarterback. And Sean Hill has been a, has been a very solid replacement. He's performed well. He's thrown the ball where he needs to be. He's forced the ball into Calvin Johnson, a true number one type receiver who can make plays when there's not one there. So they've got a lot of weapons. I know there's been some talk that Javid Best is overrated, but, you know, he's a smaller speed tied back. He'd be a perfect complement for Steven Jackson. But, you know, that's something for us to deal with down the road at this point. But 
you know, they, they've got weapons, they've got pieces. Certainly there's a reason why they haven't won many games, similar to the Rams over the last few years. But just like the Rams, I think they're an improving team. The future is bright. they got a lot of things going on that, that they can bank on moving into the future. They just have to develop these things and add more pieces, and that's part of the difficulty in being a, a growing team, a poor team, is that you have so much that you need to work on that you just can't get it done real quickly. And by the way, Van, we got a caller when you're ready, man. Ooh, all right. Dr. K, I, we've got a special guest coming this week. Is that right? Is it Will from Ramsherd joining us this week? I don't, I don't think this is him yet. We'll have to check his 916 area code. I don't think it's Will, but let's see. Let's bring him on. Let's see who we got. Let's bring him on. What's up, fellas? How are you? Pretty good. How are you? It's Kelly Ramman here. Just uh, got done scolding my dog after he chewed up my sandals, so I need to pop on the phone and get something, uh, get my mind on football rather than my dog. That's horrible. What kind of dog you got, man? Uh, she's a puppy right now. She's a Siberian Husky. Huskies. All right. Mm. I, I never had a Husky. I had a, a boxer. I had a pit bull when I was younger. And I also had a uh, an Akita. So I, I know well the dangers of of weaning dogs into the human world and the Rams world, by the way. My my boxer has uh, a full Jerome Bettis outfit. As big as a fucking polar bear. So I thought the They're huge, man. They're huge <laughs> dogs. And they shed. They do have uh, plenty of hair to go around. Yeah, yeah. I was sitting there watching the uh, Alabama South Carolina game. You know, trying to keep an eye on some for some future uh, guys to be wearing uh, blue and gold. I looked down and she's chewing on my favorite pair of sandals. Ruined the game for me. I had to step outside and uh, discipline. <laughs> Well, it's about opportunity Anyways, cost, man. You could, have, you could have saved your shoes or you could have gotten an early scouting report. I think you did the right thing in sacrificing your shoes. That was a good call, Callie Ransman. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What's on your mind, yeah. Callie Ransman, besides some besides rip some shoes? Uh, not a whole lot, guys. Just uh, you know, I've been hopping on over uh, on ESPN just to see. You know, Mike Sando has his uh, his daily blog just to see what the little lay of the land in the NFC uh, West. And uh, you know, it's funny how. There's this huge shift. We went two games, and now everybody's criticizing his uh, his initial predictions on how the, the landscape would shake out, and they're uh, they're now perceiving the Rams to be one of the most uh, complete teams set to uh, start succeeding. <laughs> you know, I look at the roster, and uh, it's we're still got a long way to go. You know, this move with with Sam Bradford being ahead of the learning curve just really you know, puts us in a position where we can forget about some of these glaring holes that will need to be addressed in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, you know, it's funny you bring up the NFC West. That's probably, you know, a good point to talk about. Two wins. Here we are at two and two, tied for the lead in the division. And, you know, suddenly kind of there's this conversation of, well, who can win the NFC West? I mean, and the Rams, you know, people who think the Rams are just as good as have just as good of a shot as any other team in the division right now. And through four games, you know, it's it's hard to disagree with that assessment. The Rams probably have the best quarterback situation of any team in the division. Now Matt Hasselbeck's still, you know, not a bad quarterback by any means, but he's 34 years old. He's obviously on the downhill side of his career. Um, bad back. Say what? Oh, yeah, the bad back. Yeah, bad back. Back. I mean, you know, it's, it's more it's than a, a bad back. That's a team he's in transition, man, too. He's got a just... bad body. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there, there's even talk now that they're going to trade Dion Branch to try to try to get some, reap some draft picks for the draft picks they've lost. 
49ers, who knows what's going on with San Francisco. They're 0-4. They're going to be looking for a win at home against Philadelphia this week. And the Cardinals are playing the Saints in the desert. I mean, not an easy task for a rookie quarterback. I guess if they're going to go with the rookie quarterback. But So, you know, it's a fair conversation to have the Rams in the division. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, I'll just Brad, I th- I th- yeah, I think the strange thing, and I mentioned it, I don't know if it was one of my game previews for a preseason game. I think it might have been the first regular season game, first game against the Cardinals. And, and what I talked about was the, the lack of stability at the quarterback position for every other team in the NFC West. You had the 49ers dealing with Alex Smith, you know, who obviously has been up and down. There were concerns there. And obviously with the volatility, not only for Mike Singletary, a head coach, but with a team that's relying on Michael Crabtree, a, a now second-year wide receiver, as more or less the most talented receiver, instability from the running game, Frank Gore, who you know is almost annually injured, and Glenn Coffey, who left to go to the ministry and got found with a loaded and cocked pistol this week, by the way, in case you hadn't heard. It, you oh, know, it was cocked, too. I didn't San, know that. Yeah, a strange story. Instability in San Francisco. In Arizona, you know, you cut Matt Leinart. Now you got Derek Anderson, so no more Matt Leinart, no more Kurt Warner. You've brought in a completely new quarterbacking core with a rookie as your backup. Over in Seattle, you bring in Charlie Whitehurst, big move, but you know that Matt Hasselbeck is still your seasoned veteran. But they've got so many other things going on with that team, especially a new head coach and a new system to deal with. There was so much instability. The Rams came into this season as the team that almost seemed most prepared to start the 2010 season. Now, I know we lost that game against Arizona Cardinals at home, you know, and there were things to work on, and I think we've improved a lot of them, but I think what shows is that the consistency that the Rams brought into the season versus the inconsistency that the rest of the teams did has borne itself out in the win-loss column. And, And despite the fact that we lost that game against Arizona, we're still looking as a better divisional team Overall, which is why, you know, maybe momentum obviously has a part to play in it. But nevertheless, you got a lot of pundits now, you know, jumping on the Rams bandwagon. I forget, uh, I was watching NFL Network and somebody called themselves a Ramite. They're, they're talking about the Rams getting into the NFC West as the divisional champion. And part of it, I think, really has to do with the idea that we've got consistency where other teams are still trying to figure out how they're going to get through this season. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, you know, where I see the biggest difference being made is on the offensive line of each team. Seattle is obviously struggling. You know, they had uh, one of their late and greats decide to uh, retire this year after a long tenure with them on the, on the blind side, and they go ahead and draft Russell Kung, who's, you know, been hurt, hasn't been able to make, hasn't been able to make an impact, yet they still have holes that they've been trying to fill in here and there by bringing in just big-bodied people. Uh, thus, they haven't been able to be a consistent offensive team. You know, they've had to rely on their defense and their special teams to pull off Ws, and uh, consequently, we got to see the Rams, our defense, had their, had their way with them. Then you have the San Francisco 49ers, who, you know, they had to address the offensive line, and they did so in the first round, bringing in Aokati, you know, the big offensive guard from Idaho, and then they brought in... Uh, Anthony Davis, the guy over from Rutgers, and you know, he actually had a pretty good game last week. I got to see him, you know, watch him play, and uh, he did pretty well in, the, in that right tackle spot. You know, and it doesn't help when your center breaks his leg and has to miss some time either. So their offensive line is struggling, thus Alex Smith struggling. What they need to do is just run that ball with Frank Gore until they can, you know, kind of free up some space because that pocket's not going to stay 
you know, uh, open for too long, and Mr. Smith doesn't seem to be the guy that makes the right decisions under pressure. Uh, and then you look at Arizona, and, well, that's just a mess. Their offensive line is garbage. And uh, even with the addition of Alan Fanica, I'm still not, I'm still not too impressed with their offensive line. And, you know, Derek Anderson, he just, he's been so sporadic that the, the fault of the offensive line definitely uh, has, has had a hand in his inability to be successful. No, and you know, and honestly, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't count any team out of the NFC West right now because you know it's four weeks into the season. Injuries can happen, you know, and all of these teams are such that the Rams, the Forty ers the Seahawks, the Cardinals, all of those teams are, you know, one in, injury away from just complete disaster. It seems like. I mean, I you know, I hate, I'm not trying to be pessimistic about the Rams or anything, but. I think that, you know, there's still some depth issues there, and, and we've been pretty lucky so far this season in that where the injuries have hit us, they've hit us hard in a couple areas, special teams, tight end, cornerback this week, but, you know, they haven't, A, they haven't hit us seriously, or they haven't hit us, you know, in terms of a key starter. You know, you remember like last year where we lost Jason Smith after a few weeks into the season, or... You know, other years where you lost, like, you know, you had Steven Jackson out for four games a couple of years back. You had, you know, quarterback issues constantly last year. And then, you know, you didn't really have any good solution to begin with. And so as the best of, the best of the worst goes down, you, you're stuck with kind of the second worst of your options to stick in. And the Rams haven't had to deal with that this year, fortunately. I'm knocking on wood right now because heaven knows we've been through all that shit before we don't want to have to deal with it again. But... Any team in this division, you know, could fortunes could change with one, you know, one kneecap. So it'll you know, be interesting I, to see. There's a lot of games left to play. You know, Arizona, yeah, I mean, uh, San Francisco's going to have to win five division games if they really kind of seriously want a shot at winning this division, all things considered. Then that's a tough, that's a tough, that's a tough ask. So, uh, you know. It's interesting yeah. to watch. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I know everybody likes playing, you know, uh, armchair GM over wherever they're at. And uh, you know, there's there wasn't a whole lot of action that could really have been made because of the uh, restricted free agency class that we had this year. But there is one guy that I've been trying to keep an eye on uh, on the meet in the media, see if anything's happening over in New England with Logan Mankins. You know, he's a sure. Pro Bowl uh, offensive guard. The kid's 28 years old. He is, was, uh, Tom Brady's, uh, you know, uh, protection through the middle. Um, and, you know, they, they drew a line in the sand, and they definitely said, you know what, well, not giving you the contract. He felt that they made a promise and they didn't come through, so he was willing to sit out. Well, consequently, they've been doing all right with that offensive line. They haven't really had to concede anything. Um, I, you know, I want to throw it out there. As I, I made a post earlier. You know, uh, with Jacob Bell in his last year, and, uh, you know, we have a, a young kid in Sam Bradford. How opposed would you guys be to bring in a, a Pro Bowl offensive offensive guard that's 28 years old, has plenty in the tank, but is demanding a big paycheck? I'll put it out there, man. I wouldn't be opposed at all. I threw it out there at some point in the preseason. I talked about some of the different people. Wait, it was around the same time that I brought up Vincent Jackson. A lot of people shouted down, no, San Diego's got to keep Vincent Jackson. And obviously that's developed its own momentum. But I also brought up Logan Mankins. And I think it makes sense. I mean, Van Ram talked about looking at guard prospects in the draft. 
uh, I think it was two se- uh, two episodes ago for Tertial Radio, and, and it's, yeah. it's an obvious position that we can upgrade simply because we're already spending so much money in Jacob Bell. It's not like it's going to have a huge difference in salary cap because you're bringing in, you're subtracting the money that you're already paying to Jacob Bell. It's not like it's going to take a whole lot more money. So I'd be I'd well, be totally behind it. And knowing that the offensive line is so valuable to a team like this, with a, with a defense is I, I won't say set but it's so well-developed compared to the offense. And there's so many more question marks, whether it's receiver, offensive line, backup running back, backup quarterback. Who, who is our backup quarterback going into next season? I have, I have no clue. And, and so there's a, there's a lot more personnel issues to work out on the offensive side to me than there are defense. And, and solidifying the offensive line to me has to be a priority, and it's one that I think that the, the front office is focusing on based on how we've drafted you know, in the recent years, whether it's Greco, whether it's Jason Smith, Roger Saffold, it's obvious they got an eye on it. So, well, and it'll be interesting to see too because the Vince, you know, the fact that the Rams were involved in the Vincent Jackson talks this season, and you know, just a few weeks ago, but in the fact that they had kind of agreed tentatively to a contract with Jackson himself, you know, they couldn't. The deal hung up on obviously the San Diego's front office, but. Um, you know the fact that they were willing to to make a move for Jackson and, and kind of agree tentatively on to terms with him for a contract means that you know it's not a team that's probably going to be afraid to spend money this year. I mean now you know I know last year people were a little disappointed in the free agent sweepstakes and like Callie said that's kind of a different thing this year because of the you know the, with the CBA expiring and who knows what the you know the case is going to be with that next year. You know, that could come right down to the wire, too, and there'd be no free agent signings until, you know, late in the game, so to speak. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I I think that it's out there that the Rams have made a statement that, you know, now they, they've got kind of those building blocks in place. You know, you look at their left and right tackles. You look at their quarterback. they got Steven Jackson at running back. They've got a middle linebacker. They've got a defensive end in Chris Long. And yeah, they still need some guys on defense to round out that unit, but you know, they're in a good spot to go out and spend some money on free agents this year, to go out and spend some money to get a guy here, a guy there that, that can make a big difference for this team. Um, yeah, it'll be I, interesting to see. I, I wouldn't count them out of any sweep. Jackson, Mankins, anybody. I, I was just going to throw this in there. My biggest fear for the Rams over the next, let's say, year and a half, the rest of the season and next year, is that we're going to spend money, whether it's free agency or a trade or whatnot, on somebody that makes more sense in terms of media and public relations and, and publicizing the team than it really does helping the team. You know, guys like Randy Moss, guys like a uh, – th- there have been other names that have been thrown out. You know, Albert Haynesworth. Haynesworth. I can't remember. Sure, Albert Haynesworth. Names like that, they don't, they don't improve the team, but they bring a lot of media attention. They bring a lot of hype. Those things are great for a fan base before the people start playing. It's great for a fan base before they start playing because it brings all the hype, it brings the attention, it generates some revenue for a week or two. And then when the move doesn't make sense for a football team, it pulls all the revenue that gets developed out of a better team away. And in the end, the opportunity costs just don't they – they don't validate those kind of moves. And for a team like the Rams that needs a guy – they need a number one receiver, granted. They need – you know, they could use a serious player on the defensive line. Fred Robbins has been great, but he's – yeah, honestly, I think he's at the end of his career, and we need somebody moving forward that syncs up with the timeline of this team, which is the next four or five years. But you can't spend that money on somebody that makes more headlines than they do plays. No, so, I no, agree I with you there. But it remains to be said. You know, we'll see what happens. Now, with receiver, that's harder because 
you know, I, what, there's just something about receivers. They're all kind of, they all seem to be a little nuts, and I guess maybe that's just the nature of the position. But, um, you know, and that depends on where they go draft or not. Now, I, I'd like to see them make a move in the free agent market and, and spend some money and get a guard or somebody like that because that steps in to a unit that, that's done well, it's ready to play, it keeps that unit fresh, and rather than kind of having to depend and wait on another, you know, rookie to grow into the position instead of that you 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 know you hit the ground running in 2011 when the season starts um you know in various other places too depending on who's out there and i not to say i haven't even looked at potential free agents for 2011 because i'm fairly cynical of what's going to happen with the collective bargaining agreement but you know we'll see and, and hopefully you know 3k that's a good point we'll see what happens with you know, Devaney and Spagnoli have done a good job so far in picking players and adding the right mix and, and building kind of an ident- a new identity for the Rams. So, it, it, you know, it'll be an interesting offseason. Yeah, see what happens this year. You know, there are a couple glaring ones. You know, we do have, like you mentioned, the wide receiver definitely should, should be addressed. You know, even though Mark Clayton and Danny Amendola have been doing really well, even with the, uh, you know, Brandon Gibson being able to hold on to the football, there's still guys that are usually complementary pieces. They aren't necessarily, you know, the, the focal points of, an, of a passing attack. Uh, so a number one wide receiver will definitely be a piece that needs to be addressed. Uh, however, I'd like to see uh, us beef up that defense even, even a bit more. Uh, I know our pass rush hasn't been as spectacular as maybe anybody would hope, but it's been very effective, you know. Uh, we've been able to get numbers, and we've been able to put pressure into uh, to, with, to the QB. You know, I threw out a name, Albert Hainsworth, right now. Uh, and the main reason, uh, he's a big name. He was a huge free agent a few years back. And in addition to that, the guy gets it done. He, even though he's a defensive tackle, he finds a way into the backfield, puts pressure on, and allows his defensive ends to become all-stars. Kyle Vandenbosch got to reap the benefits in Tennessee for years because of the, the havoc that Albert, Ains- Albert Ainsworth had caused. You know, can you imagine Chris Long having a defensive a defensive tackle that, that can cause that much trouble and allow him to, to see one-on-one uh, matchups all day long? Even Fred Robbins at well, age 30. And, you know, what's happened with Fred Robbins this season, and, and, and I'll, I'll say something about Fred Robbins. As much, I love the addition of Fred Robbins. That's obviously been a huge difference maker for the Rams this year. And Chris Long, you know, he has half a sack, which is kind of a tragedy because he leads the league in quarterback pressures. I mean, he's been amazing this year. And he's just not, you know, the problem is is, is he demands so much attention against opposing defenses. And part of the problem is that people are kind of, you know, teams are, are gaming against him and it's allowing some of the other guys on the Rams front four to shine. Whereas, you know, maybe if it were a little more balanced attack, they might not, you know, necessarily, or if they didn't have somebody like Chris Long. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I'd count on I mean, how much more are you going to count on, Robin? This seems like kind of a nice, um, sw- you know, comeback season for him. But, you know, he's still, what, he'll be 30, will he be 34 or 35 next year? And that's, you know, you're getting into an age where it's, it's, it's Leroy Glover time. You know, you hate to ask a defensive tackle to put that much, on his body at that stage in his career and be that much of a focal point. So, you know, your any addition of a defensive tackle is definitely going to be a must, I think, for the Rams. But, sure. And, um, and I was just going to throw to this out. I was just going to throw this out. I know the Bradford draft pick has, made, has validated itself based on what we've seen so far. But people like myself, and I was in the Sioux camp, and, I, you know, I'm not going to walk that back. 
understood that what you're talking about with Albert Hainsworth, that with a dominant defensive tackle that opens the game up, especially in the passing game, for defensive ends to do things, somebody like Chris Long, who is so talented, and other guys down the line, whether that's Eugene Sims, uh, George Selvey, you know, nice pieces that we put together at the end of drafts or somebody to come in the future. Those are things that change the entire face of a defense. The secondary that we've got in place has done a great job at defending the pass, especially deep down the field. We're just not giving up big plays almost ever down the field. The, the issue that we've got is working these, these quick passes. With a stronger defensive line, you, you allow your cornerbacks, especially out of any position on the defense, the ability to come up quick on those wide receivers, and especially on the slot wide receiver and your outside linebacker on a tight end, to play those guys tighter because you know that the pressure is going to get there quicker. We've got a defensive line that's getting pressure, but it needs a little bit more extra time than a lot of better defensive lines are getting. So, you know, a, a, a defensive tackle to me makes more sense than a defensive end at this point just because I know what kind of an impact that's going to have on the rush and knowing that we've got guys in place that may be able to develop into, into acceptable defensive ends across from Chris Long. Sure. You know, I'll just. I'm going to say real quick. uh, One thing, you know, I think too, and and not to not to second guess and and put us in Bizarro world or anything like that, but um, you know, you look at how good the Rams' defense has been this year, and you just kind of wonder, you know, if you did have a have a saw in the middle there, I, I mean, what what you know, what kind of difference it would make this season even, uh, you know, could the Rams be, I mean, you might have a dominant defensive unit as great as our secondary has been and, and as solid as our linebackers have been. I'm, you know, that, that could have been a really interesting kick. Now I'm obviously glad we, they got Bradford. He's the real deal. They really needed a quarterback as much as anything. I still, I'm in the Bradford camp because I think you, you know, you obviously you got to win games. That's your foundational cornerstone, but you, you, it is, it is interesting to look back and think of, this defense, if Dami Kongso were playing in the middle. You know, Callie, I, I want to touch point? on the point. Uh, yeah, I want to touch back on what 3K had said about the, you know, we were talking about defensive tackles and the impact they make uh, across the field, not just only for the defensive line, but also the secondary. You have a, a solid group of defensive tackles that helps, you know, uh, as a byproduct, helps your defensive ends get to the QB a little quicker. That shortens the amount of time that your defensive backs have to play man-to-man coverage. Now, man-to-man coverage, no, I don't care how good you are. As a defensive back, you're at a disadvantage no matter how you look at it. So the less time you have to stay smothered over your man, because eventually he's going to break free, uh, the better off we'll be. So, you know, we were talking about defensive tackles and the, uh, you know, the impact that makes. I'd like to talk about the defensive end. You know, we have, if we can get a defensive tackle in, that, that'd be fantastic. But we definitely need to address a defensive end spot. You know, George Selvey looks great as a seventh-round pick, and he's always looked good when he was at USF. But now he's in the, the big leagues, and we need to make sure that uh, he, he can start making more of a contribution other than third-down pressure situations. If we can get another defensive end, to stick on the other side of Chris Long, someone to be there for the long haul, I think it's going to pay dividends for us because uh, we can't expect James Hall, age 34, 35, to be there, you know, being as productive as he is with already four sacks on the season. No, absolutely not, absolutely not. You know, we've we've definitely maximized, uh, you know, our worth out of out of these older veterans. You know, we we need to find some youth to to start taking taking over. Absolutely. Absolutely. 3K, how are we doing on callers? 
Uh, right now we're doing all right. I'm still watching these games, man. South Carolina just focused, forced a punt from Alabama, so I'm switching back and forth. I'll get back on the callers in a second in case we got anybody. Man, I can't believe this. Alabama is about I to go down. I got too much going on, man. I did, there's too much sports in the world for me to focus at one thing on one time. <laughs> oh, I had, to, I, had to, I had to leave the house, otherwise this conversation would have been just pointless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's the problem. I've got, like, the Internet open, and I keep, uh-huh, yeah, Internet, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway. Well, let, me, let me throw um, this out there, man. We don't have any callers, but we got a comment in the uh, the open thread for Church Show Radio. It's a question I'm from Sergey 66 there you go. Go ahead, man. Do your thing. How do you think the Rams are going to mani- manage um, Javad Best? 3K, help me out. Javad, Javid Javid. Javid All right. There you go, Mr. Um, I, I just want to tell the folks out there listening, I do have a high school diploma. Don't let the pronunciation <laughs> fool you. Um, anyway, how do you manage um, Beth? I, you know, that, that's a tough go. question. They're going to be uh, they're going to be looking at 3K mentioned earlier. They're going to be looking to move him on the outside quite a lot, um, and that's you know an area where the Rams have uh, have had some difficulties with running backs. You go back to that South Carolina or the South Carolina. Which game am I watching? Obviously, um, you go back to the uh, um, the Oakland game and the Arizona game, especially. And you know the Rams had some trouble on the outside with running backs. What? Um, you know, yeah, I, I guess it's going to be an interesting matchup. Dude, jump on it all, all the way. Yeah, and I live out here in Northern California, so I, you know, we don't. Sac, Sacramento State isn't exactly the greatest of football teams, being in Division One, Double A. So I, I kind of, kind of adopted the Cal Bears as my uh, Division One football team. So I, I, I'm pretty damn familiar with Java Bass. I try to t- check out a couple games a year, and I, I, I always keep an eye on them. You know, I was a big advocate in preseason to see if we can get Javid Bass as our second pick. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, Detroit jumped us on that, and uh, that didn't work out. But uh, the kid is phenomenal. He is such a dynamic player, you know, a la Felix Jones, if you can go back, you know, back to the Arkansas days. He's just so explosive. And his last year, even though he did get a concussion, he was working on other things besides running with the ball in his hand, his blocking, picking up blocking, uh, blitzing schemes, uh, his his passing game, uh, coming out of the backfield receiving. And that is where I've, I've noticed that uh, Detroit's actually been utilizing him quite a bit. He comes out of the backfield on these short little dump-offs, and, you know, he had a big game not too long ago. And uh, it's something that they've realized that they can quickly utilize him as a receiver coming out of the backfield. And the kid is just so damn explosive. Their offensive line, obviously that interior offensive line isn't great. So, you know, getting him the ball and, and watching him work his magic, it almost seems like he has to duck and dive three or four guys before he can get his two or three yards, you know. But when he uh, you get him in some open field and the, the defensive line has already collapsed the pocket and you give him some open space, that's where he's going to be dangerous. Yeah, and that's so going you know, to be an issue this week. That it's just going to be an issue this week. It's going to be a tough, and I can't believe we've gotten to the point in history where you're talking about the Detroit Lions might be the toughest offense the Rams have, the Rams defense has faced this season through five weeks. But you know you've got Javid Best, Calvin Johnson. Obviously, I mean that you know we've talked about that a little bit this week. Calvin Johnson and two. You know, with Pettigrew and um, Schiffler, two great receiving weapons at tight end. I mean, this is a 
Um, it's not – it's not an offense to be taken lightly. I mean, and, and this is going to be a tough game for the defense, no matter what. And like I say, it's weird to be saying that in relationship to De- the Detroit Lions, but it's absolutely true. And it's going to be a tough matchup all around, and one that you know the defense doesn't isn't going to have a lot of room to make mistakes, blow assignments, find themselves out of gaps or anything like that. Especially the linebackers, because uh, you know this is a it, it's just not something they can get caught. You know, with their hands off the wheel for very much time. You made you you, you talk about Javid Best. That's a, that's an excellent point, Cali Ram man. Um, 3K Cali. It looks like we've got another question, and I'm going to go ahead and take this so that we can kind of move on down the line and get everybody off to their respective outside sporting events. Um, who do you think our wide receivers will be for next year? This is a good question. Um, this comes from Buck Nasty 87. Um, let's field this with a couple names to start with. Obviously, Mark Clayton is in the mix, as is Danny Amendola. Um, but the two the two guys um, Buck Nasty eighty seven mentions are two guys that do kind of deserve a conversation. Donnie Avery, Laurent Robinson. Let's let's tackle Avery first. Anybody want to talk? About, let's let's. Who wants to jump in first with Avery? I'll jump in, but I, I don't think there's an answer. I don't, I don't think we have an answer until we get to next year, and especially the preseason, to see how Sam Bradford and Donnie Avery sync up. No, you know, Lauren Robinson was a guy that, that had a lot of hype going into this year based off how he synced with Bulger previous, you know, in 2009. And seeing that him and Bradford are on, on a similar page to what he and Clayton are, the question becomes what role does Donnie Avery have not in this offense but in Sam Bradford's offense? That's the key. If Sam Bradford's offense doesn't necessitate Donnie Avery, then the Rams don't necessitate Donnie Avery. And to me, it's just that simple. Yeah, no, I, I and there's one thing the Rams point. kept – I was just going to say the yeah, speed I, factor that Avery brings has been missing this year. Now, the Rams have obviously done well with Amendola and Clayton, but, you know, it's it's hard to look at this team and not wonder sometimes what, you know, extra element you'd have – with Donnie Avery able to stretch the field, but then it's like you say, 3K. Does it, it comes back to how does he sync up with Sam Bradford? Is this the same, is this a guy that's going to work well with Sam Bradford? And to me, given his injury history, I really kind of worry about it, just in the sense of, I mean, how reliable, how much do you count on him? I think you can count on Avery a little more than you can Robinson, but uh, you know, again, it's just something you're not you're not really going to know until. OTAs and mini camps roll around where you can kind of start to get a picture of it. Callie, I'm sorry, I didn't go ahead, man. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think he brings up a good point. You know, what kind of cohesiveness is he going to have with our QB of the future? Um, for me, I, you know, I have a hard time saying he's a, he's a, a necessary piece because we have guys like, you know, Danny Amendola, who's who's a dur- much more durable piece, a much cheaper piece that basically gives you the same production. A quick, a quick shifty. You know, everybody tries to make the 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 connotation that he's just like you know Wes Welker because he plays that slot spot and he's a short little white guy that that becomes very productive. But I think he pretty much can can give you the the speediness of Donnie Avery. However, we've been playing Donnie Avery out you know on one of the outside spots rather than much in the flank. And quite frankly, I don't know if that's necessarily his. His primary uh, place of success. 
Yeah, and, and you know, it, it just you started to kind of get a sense of what role they were going to have for Avery this year and right about the time he got hurt. And it looked like, you know, they had a pretty good trio of Avery. Um, and this is Avery got hurt before the Rams brought in Clayton, so that kind of changed the picture a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about Robinson real quick. I, you know, honestly, with Robinson, I don't know. This is a guy to me that, that has to start answering some questions this week. You know, he'll be on the field this week. I don't know that he'll be starting over Brandon Gibson, to be quite honest with you. But, um, you know, is he 100%? He had a terrible time getting separation in the first two games of the season. But, you know, he was also a little injured at the time. So, you know, is he a guy? He's a guy that has to really kind of establish himself this year. Or I don't think, I mean, I don't think he's he's got a guaranteed roster spot going into 2011. 3K, how are we doing on callers? Same as always, man. It's just us three rolling on. I'll throw out a couple points. Uh, first off, I, right, I want to jump up. back real quick, real quick to what we were talking about, Javid Best. Number one, what is up with the NFC West grabbing every California running back that was out there? Marshawn Lynch, Justin Forsett, Javid Best, they're all gravitating to the NFC West. I, it's, a, it's a strange phenomenon that I see going on. I don't know what it is. Maybe Shane Varina is going to the 49ers in a couple of years. Interesting <laughs> stuff going on. Number two, you talked about Sacramento State. Man, don't – you know, y'all know I talk about the draft a lot, but I can get deep, bro. Christian Clark, defensive end, Sacramento State, he's a prospect that I think could go seventh round. I know this is getting one double A. Nobody could give a damn less, but I'll throw it out there. Christian Clark, defensive end, Sacramento State, write it down. Next point. When we talk about wide receivers, the the issue to me is that Bradford is a quarterback, almost like a guy like Drew Brees, yeah, unlike Peyton Manning, unlike uh, a Tom Brady. He needs people to play specific roles. You, you can have an experienced guy like Mark Klain, a slot guy like Amendola, but you still need a speed guy and a size guy. And so to me, it, the issue that we have now is Brandon Gibson is more of a yards after catch. He doesn't have the size or the hands that, that yeah. Clayton has showed thus far. And so he's shown himself to be a more reliable receiver, especially with Amendola in those kinds of situations. Where do we get the size and the speed guy? Now, you can argue that you can get it both in a number one overall wide receiver. Uh, uh, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, if we get that kind of type, if we're in position to draft those kind of guys, maybe we get the best of both worlds. But if not, you have to look into how do we construct a more comprehensive wide receiving court that gives us all the tools that Bradford needs in multiple guys to spread the, the offense out. And that becomes more difficult for a front office to say, okay, where do we get the best deals, the best values in bringing in those kinds of players? And it's a long season. There's, a, I mean, maybe Lauren Robinson goes on a tear from week 7 till 16, and tears it up, and we say, okay, he's our size guy. And, and you've got tight end options, so you've got that, you know, a, a second, third look when you're dealing with red zone issues. But, I, I, you know, to me it's not about getting this kind of, you know, a, a specific person as it is to getting this type of wide receiver, this type of receiving option, so that Bradford knows, okay, when I'm in this situation, here's who I'm looking at. Yeah. Right. Well, and, you, you know, the Rams have some interesting, an interesting situation at tight end as well, and, and the reports that Humanuani was practicing again this week, and, and he's not going to play against Detroit tomorrow, but he he could very well be back the week after that against San Diego. And then you've also got Anovan that's kind of coming on a little bit here, and, and you know I know fans want to see more, and, and the coaching staff maybe just doesn't feel he's quite ready yet. But, you know, there's a big, tall Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez type potential tight end there. You know, now whether the distance between here and there is a long way, obviously, but, you know, that's going to impact. You get those guys up up to speed and, and 
flowing like they're supposed to be flowing or, the, the you know, they want them to flow, then it changes the receiving picture a little bit too. Hey, let me get to a fan post where it looks like we've got all the questions taken care of on the thread for now. So let me jump to another fan post. We had, uh, obviously you've heard now, the Redskins cut wide receiver Devin Thomas. And so somebody, you know, asked the question, thoughts on Devin Thomas. Let me read you, and you'll remember he was the second wide receiver taken in the draft in 2008, right behind none other than Donnie Avery. Um, Thomas has not obviously done too much with Washington. They tried to trade and they let him go. Here's what, here's what I just want to read you something real quick, and then we can kind of jump off from there. Sources told the National Football Post, Thomas was rarely in good shape, and that often led to minor injuries. He has suspect work ethic and marginal hands. Surely someone will take a look at him. He'd be a no-risk investment, but Thomas needs to become motivated to turn around his career. Thoughts, gentlemen? Well, I remember when he was with Michigan State, you know, he had a couple big plays um, that that kind of made him kind of start jumping up the board. He has that prototypical size, you know, decent speed. Uh, he, you know, and then he, you see him make a couple big plays, and now all of a sudden he's drawing attention. And he was one of those guys that uh, was kind of deemed one of the, the top wide receivers in the class. And even though that's what the draft pundits were saying, I, I wasn't entirely convinced. You know, the guy had one big season, and it wasn't even that big, to be honest with you. And I just couldn't see it. Uh, and then the fact that he doesn't have too much success in Washington, well, that's kind of tough. They've had, what, three different offensive schemes since he's been there. Uh, the fact that he has a poor work rate, well, that, that I, I can't attest to. But, uh, you know, the one thing I don't want to see is us just go and start picking up pieces that we don't need just to try to fill in, you know, uh, putty up the gaps. Uh, we we did so in the fifth round with Brooks Foster uh, in, I think, last year's draft, and it made absolutely no sense to me. Why the hell are we going to go and get a guy that's going to battle for the fifth, sixth spot on the, the roster that's not going to have a, a true effect, you know, when we have other pieces of the puzzle that need to be solved before that. So with this being, you know, uh, pick it up if you if you need it. I just don't know who, who who's this he would take. You know, we've invested a fourth-round pick in Marty Gilliard. I'm not ready to to bump him down the, the, the food chain for uh, a Devin Thomas just because he was a second-round pick a few years ago. Hey, guys, no, I, I, I know we got this you. going, but we got another caller, and I'm going to bring him on. We're going to make it a four-way. So uh, another caller, if we got it, if you're down, fam, we're going to jump him in. Let's do it. Hey, guys, Hello. how's it going? This is, hey, guys, VT here. How you doing? VT. What's up, my man? <laughs> how's it going, VT? guys? Hey, if you're going to break down this episode of uh, Surf Show Radio, I want you to know that I, my feet were set, my shoulders, my hips were squared, so I was ready to go, man. Make sure you put that on the Telestrator bus. Yeah, n- nice screen van, too. It wasn't a pick. It was a screen. Man, we got a tough crowd here on this site, don't we? Uh, I know. Um, <laughs> hey, I just wanted to make a couple of comments on Bradford. I know you guys are talking receivers. This kind of does go along with your, your talk about receivers now. Very seldom do you see a player, and I'm talking in any sport, basketball, baseball, um, where they elevate people around them. And I know you guys, you guys have been watching. I mean, you guys are, are real good um, at knowing and seeing this. I can tell you've watched football a very long time. Bradford, to me, does that. I mean, very seldom do you see a player that just everybody look at look at uh, uh, who's your man, the running back, uh, Darby, 3K. 
here's a guy who we were all ready to, you know, toss aside. We need somebody. And look at it. Look what he's done the last couple of weeks. He's come out of nowhere, like elevated his play. Yeah. Um, and, and, and one other thing I wanted to say about Bradford. Now, I mean, let's all get real. I mean, we, I'm taking nothing away from Clayton. I'm taking nothing away against my man Amendola or any of the Rams receivers. But let's be real and say we don't have anybody that everybody's like, oh, man, I'm really afraid of him, right? I mean, we have nobody that, that really strikes fear into another team. But yet Bradford is using his, his head and his physical ability to have these guys make plays, you know, just by manipulating the things that are happening in the game. What's going to happen, okay, when Bradford has a year under his belt, we get a totally legitimate number one receiver who basically is a threat on any down. Where is Bradford going to take this team? I mean, this this is, if you stop and think about it, this is a scary, scary thought for the rest of the league. I mean, am I right here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy that's, a year a year from now is going to be amazing. I mean, you, I mean, you look at some of the the talk that the coaches and the media was kind of saying after the last couple of games is that you know you kind of have to shake your head and remember that you watch the tape. It's like, oh yeah, this is a rookie at times. So you, you're going to have to be reminded of that. Yeah, I mean, well, let me play and, you know, next year. I, you know, I we have four games of Bradford starting under you know under his belt. Uh, what happens if Staple goes down, you know, or Jason Smith goes down. I I, I want to give him a little bit more time before <laughs> we start uh, anticipating he's going to be, you know, the next Troy Aikman, the, the next big thing. Let's give him a little bit more time, a little bit more, you know, hopefully an opportunity to, to fairly assess him. I mean, although as thus far he's been freaking phenomenal, I, I'd like to see him have a little bit more time before, you know, we, truly, if we get ourselves to this point where we're this excited and, you know, rightfully so, we, Things haven't been the greatest the last three years, but uh, we may be setting ourselves up for disappointment. You know, it's yeah. What happens if you face a you know a, a front four from like Chicago with Julius Peppers who just wreaks havoc? And is, are we going to start deeming the fact that he's not able to have a, a passer rating above the 65 as a as a failure? It's, uh, right, and, and that's all relative. That's, we need to give him more time. It is, yeah, that's a totally a good fair point. assessment, but. You, but there's just something about the way he plays. Now, is it because we've seen Kurt Warner in about five years? I don't know. But there's something about the way he's playing that's, to me, it just does. I mean, he's a rookie, yeah. He throws some bad throws here and there. Yeah, he does. But there's just something about his presence on the field. It's hard for me to explain what I'm what I'm trying to say. That is leading me to believe that, you know, this is something special here. It's just not going to be a really good NFL quarterback. But I think he, he's got the potential, and at least the way I feel when he steps on the field and the way the other players play around him, that there's something special and something more that he's going to bring to the National Football League. Um, and I, I think your assessment is absolutely right. We need depth. We need to protect him. You know, anything can happen in any given, any, any given, uh, given game in the NFL. But, you know, with that said, I'm, I'm extremely optimistic about his future, for sure. Hey, guys, if I could jump oh, in just to, make a quick, just to make a quick point. I, I agree with both of you. I, I think that Sam Bradford is strides ahead of where you would expect a rookie to be, especially with the personnel that he's working with. I, I also acknowledge that I think we need to maintain some perspective in terms of what we have ahead, what we've got behind us, and where we are as a franchise and what he's dealing with. But the question for me is... How, how much value, then, does it become in terms of pushing a number one wide receiver? If Sam Bradford is a guy that can make a team, 
and, and I'm not putting him on par with Peyton Manning, but what I'm saying is when you watch Peyton Manning, it almost doesn't matter what receivers you give him. You can give him Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, or you can give him Austin Colley, uh, you know, I'm, forget, I'm forgetting names, obviously, from Our Indianapolis, song? but the point yeah, is that's a forgettable name. Yeah, sure, certainly. You can throw those guys out there, and he can still make plays. If that's the case with a quarterback like Sam Bradford, how necessary is it for us to fill him with talent? If he's going to be able to elevate the entire offense, then the question to me, and obviously you know, my, my perspective as somebody who's looking at the draft as the premier way to upgrade a team, then the, the issue for me is give him, I won't say mediocre, but above average talent and spend your most, your, your most valuable draft picks in filling the draft because you don't have anybody, despite the fact that I love Laurinaitis, but the position of middle linebacker as opposed to quarterback doesn't allow him the ability to bring up the entire defense to the, to the degree that quarterback does. And so to me, I'm looking at it and saying, if Bradford's going to bring this offense, let's give him some pieces, certainly. Let's give him some talent, some youth, guys that he can manage so that when they come in the league, he can manage them to fit his offense. But let's focus the rest of this team on getting the defense ready and giving Bradford the most yeah. opportunities to do what he does best, and that's manage his offense. Yeah, Excellent. You know, that's Bradford next year. What, what I wanted to say kind of summed up a little bit is, you know, yeah, how much talent is the guy going to need? I mean, he, he could be on a pace to, 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 to – I mean, if he's bringing people up a couple of notches, do we really need to invest in this really number one solid guy, you know? Um, but but that's a great, great point, 3K. Hey, hello. Yeah, hey, guys, briefly, uh, thanks for having me on. i got to take off here. Um, you know, i got to say, from California, I appreciate everything you guys do, all the information you guys provide. So, uh, you know, other than having a uh, turf show radio at 3 o'clock, i, I got to say I'm extremely grateful. All right, take care, guys, and see you guys. Tomorrow. All right, cool, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Kelly. Take care, man. Hey, 3K, I just let's announce it right now. Alabama has lost. Yeah, big game. To South Carolina. And the thing that's interesting to me, and, you know, if, if any, I know that the watch list isn't the most popular product on Turf Show Times, but if you look at the, at the watch list that I throw out there, Alabama is stacked with NFL talent in almost every single position, except for maybe quarterback. At every single position, they got NFL guys. And the great thing to me is, if this opens a championship for other teams to have showcase for NFL prospects, to me that's nothing but a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, 3K, we're kind of running down on time. I want to want to share one thing. Um, Coach Connors left us a comment. His daughter's in labor. He can't call. He's going to call in next time. Sorry to miss. Coach, no problem. Best of luck to you. Congratulations. Coach's keys to the game. Bradford performing well in the pocket versus the pass rush, and the receivers not dropping balls. The Lions lead the lead and drop lead the league and drop balls, but the Rams are just one drop behind. Obviously, that's a, those are pretty big keys to the game. Um, thanks for weighing in, Coach. Three K VT final thoughts. Go ahead, VT. Well, I'm just going to say I, I think so far. I mean, we could easily be four and zero. I mean, but. With that being said, I am extremely surprised at how well we're doing. Now, you know, I'm always the most optimistic guy here at Turf Show Times, but for us to be sitting at two and two, um, and 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 you know, the last two games we won, guys. We it wasn't close games that we squeaked by. Okay, mm-hmm. 
we they were pretty much blowouts, really. I mean, we handled from, you know, the second half of those games. I mean, we basically took over, you know. There's one comment I will say. is for everybody who's talking about how, you know, saying, well, they have a weak schedule. Well, <laughs> what I want to say to those people who say we have a weak schedule, yeah, it is a late schedule, but, however, we're kind of dominating those games. You know, if they were squeakers the last two games, then I would say, okay, great, you know, we kind of – you know, we're not a very good team, and we're squeaking by on these wins. But, you know, I, I think we've improved more than I thought we were going to be improved this year. Especially Bradford is really the key to me for this year. Absolutely. That's a great point, Three. That's a great point, VT, 3K. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to keep perspective given how poor we've been in years past and how we've gotten to put this together, you know, a two-win streak this early on in the season on the back of a – franchise remodeling pick like Sam Bradford. And, and I'm, pr- I'm I'm glad that we've got the optimism there. The sense is that I want to rein it back in, but at the same time, I, I want I, – not only do I want the optimism keep going, I want the reason for the optimism. I want another win. And I'm, I'm really hoping we can come out and do it tomorrow. I think Coach Connors is, is almost exactly spot on. The only thing I would say is not just the receivers need to catch the balls that are thrown to them, but you need people to make big plays when they're in position to make big plays. Um, that, that may be the case for every game, but that's certainly the case for a team like the Rams who don't have necessarily the game-breaking talent that other teams have. And when you talk about, you know, Bradford being able to manage a game versus other guys, he, and you compare him to a Peyton Manning who in his, his early seasons, his rookie season, had a talent like Marvin Harrison, a possible Hall of Fame wide receiver, and you – I dare you to make the case that anybody on this team, any wide receiver on this team is close to Hall of Fame talent. We're just not there. So, you know, the question to me becomes, how do we manage the future of this team in the present? That's the most important thing. And winning games right now is great, but it doesn't matter. And I say this as my Texas Rangers now are one-to-one, third game in the ALDS. And when I was in 2007 and we traded away Mark Teixeira, people were furious because of saying, Mark Teixeira, this guy can do everything and he can. But it doesn't matter if your team's not ready. The key is getting your team ready for the players that are going to be there by the time that you're in place to make things happen. We're not there. We're still a year, maybe two years away. I'll say a year. But the key is getting us ready so that Sam Bradford a year from now has the things he needs in place to get us to the playoffs and be successful. Yeah, absolutely, and this is a big week. I think even not just necessarily the win the win loss um, outcome of the game, which is obviously how you know it's it's judged ultimately. But the, this is a week where the Rams have to kind of continue the momentum. They've won two home games. They have played well. They've looked good doing it. They got to go on the road and do it now. They've got a you know their last road game against Oakland. It wasn't wasn't the best game of the season, and they got to go and they got to play mistake free. They got they got to play. Winning football, um, and this is this is the week they've got to kind of continue that progress. Like I say, even if they don't ultimately win the game, we still need to make sure we see what we've been seeing the last two weeks on the field. So, 3K, VT, um, I think we better wrap it up. It's getting time. So, uh, so I just want to awesome. say one more time, go Rams. Anybody else? Echo my sentiments. VT, you got the mic, man. You're the guest at the end of the oh, show. Okay. <laughs> go Rams, baby! It's this week. There you, know, you go, VT. Pull... Thanks for calling in, bud. Hey, yeah. If we can pull out a win this week and uh, even and even squeak out one in San Diego, wow! I can't imagine what people will be saying then. 
That's right. It's a tough game after this one with the with the Chargers coming to town. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Thanks again, for having All right. Have a good one. Hey, it was almost bittersweet, man. We got through a whole episode of Tertial Radio and barely touched on the draft. You know, I, it, it is. It is. It's it, I, but the good thing was that we had amazing. quality callers, VT and Kelly Rams. Thanks for coming. Will, man, we'll get you on. You know, maybe something happened. You know, life happens. We're trying to get guys. And just for everybody listening or who ever may not be listening, we're trying to get guests on to expand the scope of Tertial Radio because we know there's an important component of Tertial Times right. and make sure that it's as, as fulfilling for the listeners, as it is for me and Van every week to come and share these internet airwaves with you. So, despite the That's fact right. that we had no draft, man, it was a great episode. And of course, always holler and go Rams. Hey, you know what, 3K? Our favorite guests. Let me just remind everybody: our favorite guests are the callers we get every week. Am I not right? No Without All a right, doubt. 3K, go Rams. Take As care, always. everybody. Come on, tomorrow, Detroit. Go, go Rams. Let's go. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, you listen to podcasts, check it out.